29. You know, the book of Jeremiah is, is very voluminous in prophecy and warnings to the people of God. They got warned when they were going astray. And, and that's a blessing. You know, I just, I think sometimes about times I've been driving and got lost. And I, I thought, geez, I should have taken that turn back there. Something told me to take that turn. And I kept going this way because, see, because you don't follow the plan. And so not following the plan can waste a lot of time. It can cause you some heartache, too, and some distress. <laughs> so we need to understand that God already uh, it has something for us. And Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts I have towards you, or the thoughts I think towards you. He said, I know what I'm doing. I know what I think. You'll tell me what to do. Don't come to me with your little, I got to have this, I got to have that, I got to have this. Because see, tomorrow you be got to have something else. So God said, don't come up to me with that weak stuff. He said, I know what I'm thinking about you. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So that means that God has a plan for us because his thoughts toward us are good and what he's directing us to do is not for our harm, but it's for our good. So this sounds like God is trying to make peace with the people that don't want to have peace with him and want to go their own way. And how many of us are guilty of that? Sometimes we, we get rid of it when we first get saved. Some people go very far down the road uh, thinking they're serving God, and then they find out that they're not in the will of God the way they should be. Now, God will let you live. You know, there's the Bible talks about God having a table and setting a banquet for his children. All of his children have an assigned seat at the banquet table. But you've got to sit in your seat. See, many times we're trying to squeeze in somebody. Well, I think that I want to be up here. I want to be close to Jesus. I want that spot right there. See, we all want something different. Something the Lord shared with me some time ago. He said, well, I have many children who don't care to sit at the table. They'd rather receive the crumbs. Don't be a crumb snatcher. Huh? God has <clears throat> food prepared for us. Your spiritual food is designed to give you strength for the plan of God for your life. It's not designed to give you strength for anything else. Brother Hagen said that uh, in the, I think it was, he started, when did he start his ministry? Like in the early 60s, 50s or 60s, something like that. He started Rama around the 70s maybe. But he said this, he said, God began to reveal to him about teaching the body of Christ's faith. And he revealed to him that he would have him start a school 
where people would come to be trained for the ministry. And God told him, he said, I'm about to, you are about to enter into the first phase of your ministry. And he'd been pastoring for 20 years. And he said, what do you mean, God? I've been pastoring, don't you know I've been, he said, yeah, he said, but I didn't tell you to do that. I know the thoughts I have towards you. I know. And because of tradition, he never checked with God to see what his ministry would entail. See, this is an easy thing to skip over. You know why people do that? They don't want to know. Anything you want to know, you'll ask God. But if you don't ask him because you don't want to know, you know why? Because deep down we're schemers, aren't we? We don't want the plan. We want a scheme. Uh-huh. So let me give you our scripture. It's in Proverbs chapter 19. <clears throat> we want to have that freedom, see, to say yes or no to God. It's like a, a, a lot of this spousal rape. Let me just be blunt with y'all because y'all act like you want to go to sleep in a minute if you. Do you know scripturally there's no such thing? The Bible refers to it as fraud. If you stand there and you marry somebody, what you are vowing is that you give yourself wholly to that person, they give themselves wholly to you, and God sees you as one flesh. The Bible also says the husband doesn't have control over his body, nor does the wife have control over hers. If you abstain from sex, it is because you mutually agree because of fasting. And that's the only exception. You got me? God say, don't give me no headache stories. Don't give me no I ain't feeling like it stories. Don't give me no. I'm talking about a marriage. I ain't talking about this hoeing people do out here in the street. Now that's, I'm talking about a real marriage. And I ain't talking about same sex nothing. I'm talking about a marriage between a man and a woman before God, whether you saved or not saved. So when you commit, when you get born again, you commit to God to submit wholly to him and don't reserve anything for yourself. God's not a thief. He's not a rapist. He's not somebody who's going to lie to you. He's not being unfaithful. He is none of those things. He is 100% trustworthy. But you've got to enter into relationship to find that out. See, many people get get uh, shocked after they get married. We might as well go here. We can go here like we go any other place. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. But, but they get shocked because they didn't notice who that person was when they were dating. 
Now listen, come on, ain't that many shocks and surprises. Well, I didn't know it. I didn't know. No, you didn't pay attention to that. Because you were looking at the dress and the ring and reception and what the saints was going to bring. And your, your uh, what's that list uh, uh, at the at the Target and all the places, you know. Oh, yeah, the registry. Yeah, the bridal registry. You're looking at checking off on the bridal. You weren't noticing that that brother was mean and angry most of the time. Huh? Eyeballing other women all the time. Oh, that don't matter. Now it matters, don't it? Because you got to live with it all the time. Till death do you part. See, and now we want to interview. We want to audition for Snapped. Huh? <laughs> God's trying to warn you. I know the thoughts I have. <laughs> I know what plans I have for you. I know. That means you got to talk to God to find out what the plan is. But we're so busy scheming to get to the altar. Huh? Like he ain't going to be there for another five years. Just a thought. What you in such a hurry for? Huh? He's been on the shelf all this time. He's going to be on the shelf some more time. You just keep it moving. Until you get in line with the plan, just keep it moving and don't, you know, don't commit yourself. Don't get overextended. So Proverbs 19, if I can get there, if I can, if I can quote y'all some scripture, says there are many devices, 1921, I'm sorry. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Many devices in our hearts, but the counsel or the plan of God still stand. So the plan of God is going to be over your life, no matter how long you put it off, no matter how long you play around with it. Now, I don't recommend just going and doing what you want to do and then show up later at God's doorstep and say, well, I'm going to run out of stuff to do now. I guess I'll serve you. Hmm? But I do recommend, because what will happen, what generally happens in people's lives is that they miss the main flow of blessing because they're living in the will of God that just permits them to do just enough to get by. God's always going to feed you. He's always going to clothe you. And see, you'll hear these sermons about abundance and about uh, overflow and all this that's for people who are living in the will of god and know the plan of god for them lives it's not for the skimmers see many times we don't know abundance because we've never really obeyed god 100 percent to get that see what i'm saying and that starts at the basic of beginning to understand what has god called you to do you understand what I'm saying? If you're in this ministry, you're called to pray. You're not called to go to sleep and, and tell your prayer partner you catch him next week. Because the mercy of God rests on your set appointment. God ain't playing with people. 
But see, so many people live way so far beneath their privileges, they're just glad to have a little something. And they think they're rolling in it and never really experienced the fullness of what God has for them. So don't be pumping Amos 9.13 to yourself like it's a done deal. That's for obedient people. That's not for people who get lost. You know, you have a headache on God just like you will on your husband or wife. Cheaters. Huh? I'm serious. You want the blessings of God? You got to do what God says do. 100%. He ain't thinking about your many appointments. He ain't thinking about your what you what you told somebody else who you're going to do for them. Well, I got to keep my word. Why'd you give your word? I mean, these things are so simple. But the blessing of God is for the obedient. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. Huh? You ever notice disobedient people want to do extra next time? <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> you got to dig deep. <laughs> Beware of saints when they're extra nice to you and done something wrong. Huh? That's true. We all dig down for that sacrifice when we know we've done wrong. Instead of repent and get it straightened out. Straighten it out. Quit goofing around. Straighten it out. Quit messing around. We never know sometimes the glorious things God has planned for us because we never give him 100% control. Now, faith people say, well, you know, I don't know anybody who obeys God perfectly. Well, you can try. You know you can't withhold anything from God and think that you're going to get where he wants you to get. You've got to do the obedience that God set before you. And when you do obedience, don't sit and pat yourself on the back for 10 years and don't want to do anything else. Look for more things to do. You got this far. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it. That's what God's looking for. And that's the thought he has toward us. That's the plan he has for us. That's what he wants us to do. So in uh, 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 I'm going to give you a definition of plan. It means design or thought, device, purposes, plots or ways. That's the noun plan. It's a verb too, but it also means, and the definition for scheme is device, plan, plot. It sounds the same, don't it? It does have the same definition. They are defined in the dictionary the same way. Except that a scheme, it says, to make plans in a devious way. With intent to do something illegal or wrong. So the definitions word-wise are exactly the same, but what's the difference? It's the intent. See, we scheme with the intent to please ourselves. 
we plan with the intent to please God. Because the plan does come from God. He knows the thoughts he has. He knows what he's thinking. In God's mind, he sees us as obedient to him, doing the things that have been ordained for us to do before the foundation of the earth. Some people don't, haven't developed a conscience toward God that will help them to be obedient in every way. Now, I'm just talking to y'all, so don't get condemned. If the shoe fits, say it's tight, talk to God about it, and get you the right size. Understand what I'm saying? But I'm trying to get you to understand. See, we've got prophecy out there from God that says he's going to bless intercessors. And I know many of you are not being faithful with that. So we can go play games about it, okay? We're not going to play. We're just going to be honest because that's what God's called us to be, honest people. But if you have a prophecy that he's going to bless intercessors, and I know many of you don't receive from the prophecies that we have. Some of you do. But some of you just go in one ear and out the other and you're just content as long as you got your job, as long as you got, you know, basic health, as long as you got the basics, you're fine. Why? Because you don't live in the thoughts that he has towards you. You're thinking about what you want to do with your life. And you're not really focused in on what does he have for me. Why did God bring me into this ministry? Why did he bring me to that meeting so many years ago? What did he have in mind when he drew me to this place and I never left? Amen. Now, everybody tries to leave, but you keep coming back. It's like a bad and good marriage. You think about leaving all. Married people think about being single all the time, but they know they can't get back there. So they make up their minds, okay, I'm going to stick this one out, and hopefully I'll be happy one day. You know what I mean? (laughs) but we have to live in the plan of god that has to be important to us it has got to be important what god wants us to do the plan of god is not hard what's in your surroundings and circumstances to do When I was married, the plan of God for me was to love my husband. Define love. Well, she has to reverence him. Seizure time. (laughs) James said, demons believe God and they tremble. Huh? You're not living in the flesh. There's nothing, nothing brings a tremor inside of you. There's some things you don't want to do. Yes. Huh? Same thing with men. Women will get stupid and say, don't I tell you, know, never tell me you love me. I married you, didn't I? Huh? So you go on with your feelings, her go sit down somewhere. Don't ask that question no more. Jeez. Huh? <laughs> But God wants us 
to understand the plan that he has for us. It's not far from us. It's right there where we are. Do what you do faithfully, diligently, from the heart. It's about your heart and where your heart is engaged with him. And what it is that you're doing in your heart to show devotion and love to God, respect for humanity, willingness to carry out God's instructions in your life from a day-to-day basis. These things are very simple. And on your way to obeying that, God will open up further revelation. But he won't open up anything further to people who are not consistent, people who are not obedient, and people who are always scheming to get back the little bit that we've given God. We do it all the time. The devil tell you he see, he'll see you trying to be faithful, doing something for God, and he says, "Oh yeah, you can't you can't do that because uh, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to do this afterwards, and you got to do." So he keeps shrinking your time with God down. It keeps chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And if your soul is not given over to allowing that to bounce off and say, okay, devil, I see you. We think it's normal to make excuses for things. But yet we don't want God delaying us anything. Oh, we want to go to war. I can't believe I've been praying all this time. I ain't got nothing yet. Huh? So we want him to be faithful. But we can slack off, and it's okay. But as you sow, you will also reap. And so God won't let, if he lets you sow, reap more than you sow, he makes you a thief. This ain't where I'm intended to go today, but this is obviously where we got to go. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to get you to understand the thoughts that God has for you, don't get all excited about that because that implies devotion on your part. That implies work on your part. That inc- implies obedience on your sincerity on your part. No playing around with him on your part. The Bible says in one season God winked at sin. He's not winking at the blood bought. There's no reason why we have to be disobedient and want to be cut slack all the time you understand what i'm saying there's no reason for that and so god wants us to quit the schemes get in line with the plan the plan is so much better than the schemes amen if you've been been some of you even quit praying with your prayer partner you don't even attempt to pray anymore and that's not working toward your good. That's why you can't really feel the faith for a miracle in your life, even though you need one. Because condemnation chops it off. Are you kidding me? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to make fun of him and his laws in your life. Are you kidding me? But when you have a pure heart and you operate in faith and you know you're not, not shamming, making excuses, being too busy... That's the demon of the age. You know, we all should have killed that one years ago. The too busy devil. Huh? And so God will just 
stop your blessings and stay busy on that. Huh? You busy? Busy on that. Huh? It breaks my heart to people see people struggle, climb, claw, like like people in the world do. And we're supposed to be living with the faith and under the assumption that it's on its way to us. Blessings follow us. We don't chase them down. When God sees you giving uh, Caesar more than you give him, he's not pleased. He said, render unto Caesar what's his. Don't give Caesar what belongs to God. So you got to give God what's his, which is everything. You don't own nothing. Amen? God owns everything, and he expects everything from us. Nothing should be withheld, just like a husband and a wife. Huh? You find a, a, a <laughs> I know this from experience, I have deep experience with the spouse that won't give you everything. Lord knows I patted him down many, many years. He'd come in the house, I said, assume the position. Pat, 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 pat got me you know where everything is love means you don't withhold you get people too curious about what else you got and then you make them sin so i wasn't sinning on my own i was provoked (laughs) that's my my plea Your Honor, I snapped because I was provoked. <laughs> he should have told me where it was. I wouldn't have had to strip his skin off the back. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm saying. When you feel that, that it's it's wrong to withhold something, you're not pleased. You're not pleased with the relationship. There's no peace in the relationship. And that's what you want between you and God. God above all people. You may not be peaceful with everybody all the time, but you can sure enough be peaceful with God. So you can do this. Uh Many of us, our problem is too much religion. Uh In religion, there's nothing there anyway. So you're never going to feel obligated in religion. In religion, excuses are the norm. It's always okay to, you know, sure. And, you know, don't don't give because of something. Some emergency that came up or something, you know. I, well, I couldn't get there on time for the healing school because, eh, you know, when they're little, the kids are the problem. You know, your kid is 40. They're driving you to church, and now they still hold it. I had to change it. And put a diaper on him. The minute I got out that house, he tried. Whatever. So we're always scheming to get something back from God. Which should be freely given considering all he's done for you. He canceled the eternal death warrant on the lives of all of humanity. That's been canceled for you no hell for you, no death for you, even no sickness or poverty. 
But God has to bless the obedient, but he can't bless as much those who will not obey him 100%. Other than that, it'd be no point to serving God. What would the people who are attempting to do right look forward to if God gave you just as much as he gave them? You don't pray. You don't do what you're supposed to do. What, what would he look like? And he wants to bless us. He does not want to bless us. He wants to bless us. It's all over his word he wants to bless us. In fact, it's laid up for you. All you got to do is is walk in righteousness in a clean conscience before him and start to claim these things and operate in in with respect to what God has planned for your life. He's got these things planned for your life. No, you skirt your prayer partner and then get in trouble. The devil want to take your job now. All of a sudden you get diligent. You think God don't see that? You think he's being fooled? Get real. And he saw you all in times you lied and said you was too busy to pray. Just talking. But you know, folks, we got to straighten up now. This, this doesn't even make sense to still be playing these kid games. That's like going to your parents and say, Mama, make me out some notes so I can get in my teacher when I don't feel like going to class. <laughs> Want somebody to co-sign your nonsense. Uh-huh. Some people are diligent in praying and don't do anything else. You know, we all scheming a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Just got to have something back. Got to have something back. Can't give God everything now. Oh, what's for me? I don't know. Oh, schemers. Or you look around at everybody else in church is doing and figure like you're doing more than everybody. Sees. The eyeball measure. Uh-huh. Don't ever uh, uh, let your vision be for something less than what you're doing. If it's less than what you think you're doing... And people who observe and judge, they're not doers anyway. The Bible says that. You're a doer of the word or you're a judge. Judges and critics do less than anybody. Because they're looking for an excuse for how they live. It's just true. So. (laughs) Why do we scheme against God? Uh, Nahum 1.9 says, what will you imagine against the Lord? Hmm? That's the one we always use as a healing scripture, affliction, he will make an utter end. Well, that has to do with all of our imaginations against what God has. He'll make an utter end to all of that nonsense. Amen? And so he won't deal with you about it over and over and over again. You'll just live less and less in the blessings of God because you're too busy to obey him. That went over real big. Well, if you're guilty, just repent. My goodness, don't keep, that ain't me. But see, I had an excuse, but see, I couldn't do it. But see, I could you will get to the point where you can't do nothing. You keep playing around. You understand what I'm saying? People have gotten like that. You see sometimes the old saints, in the, in the Baptist church, 
they be shouting louder than anybody else. And you say, is that sister so-and-so? She back in church now? She ripped and run the streets until her hair didn't got gray. Now she in here shouting. Well, at least she back in there shouting. You understand what's better than going to hell. But it doesn't have to be like that. God has a thought. He knows the thoughts. He knows what he's thinking for you to have. He knows what he's thinking for you to be blessed with. He knows the thoughts that he has toward each and every one of us. But these thoughts entail accepting his plan and honoring that as the thing to do with your life. You got me? If you don't get anything else, his plan has to be the thing to do for your life. Now, we're always looking for revival. and You know, that's just a word to most people. They're not really looking for that. You know, religious people get excited. Oh, yeah, yeah, God's going to do it. I don't like, yeah, I'm a, you know, we praying for you. ain't praying for nothing. Usually, it's just something to say. Because when God starts reviving people, he starts in your heart and gets you excited about serving him. Gets you excited about the work that he's given you to do. Get you to understand that that's an honored position to have an assignment to do something for God. It's not a, a bother to you. It's not cutting in with your free time and all this kind of stuff. It should be an honor to have an assignment from God. Many Christians live their entire Christian life. But the late Brother Miles Monroe preached this for all of his ministry was preached around missed purpose in God. And he said the greatest tragedy of, of a person is not to die or to die young, but to die without having fulfilled the purpose that God put them here. You know, if we live like the heathen lives, what have we done differently to show that Jesus was Lord of our lives? And so it's so easy to back away from the plan of God and get involved in the schemes just to keep life together enough so that we can have the things that we desire without considering what God has for us first. I remember uh, there was a woman prophetess that uh, God called her to the ministry and he gave her a scripture and he told her uh, it was a chapter in one of the Old Testament prophets. I forget what it was. But she said that when she would read it, she said the part that stuck out to her was the work. And she said, I went and I began to work for God. I obeyed God, the open doors that he opened for me. And I think she wound up in Israel. That was where he told her to go. And she went over there. She said, in the whole time of our 10 years in ministry, we struggled financially, barely had food on the table. And she said, when I got back, she said to America, I asked the Lord, what happened? I thought you were supposed to provide. He said, I gave you the whole chapter. You only read the first three or four verses and ran off with it. So it's easy for the scheme. You can be in the will of God and doing what you think God wants you to do and start scheming. You got me? Because something will take over your mind when you see something that God wants you to do. Your carnal man is reading just like your spirit man. He can read still too. And he'll read things into it and run off and get excited about it. Huh? Everybody wants to see prophecy fulfilled in their lives. 
but you've got to hold your horses and wait and let God settle that thing on the inside of you. Huh? You've got to meditate on it. You've got to receive it as a part of yourself. You know, God will say, well, I'm going to have X number of people married in this ministry in a certain amount of time. Most people don't really want to be married, even though they say they do. You know why? Because the world says that. So it's easy to pick up that attitude. There's fear. And the minute you get fear in you for something, the devil will fill in the blanks. You know, you don't fear marriage. You think about marriage and fear jumps on that thought. Tell the truth, everybody. If if you ain't telling, if you ain't saying that, you ain't alive. We want things because we think we're supposed to, because we're Christians. I'm gonna go. You see that apartment building over there, Miss Elsie? I'm gonna go over there and preach to you and your friends. You gonna walk me over there? We gonna sit up in your living room. We gonna preach. How that sound? They ain't receiving nothing over here. A bunch of Presbyterians sitting up here, looking all stiff. Got the EKG machine on to see if they, you know, the lie detector to see if they make any motions, you know. Uh, we do a lot of things we just accept them up here because we think it's normal because you're a Christian now and the same thing that made you get nervous about marriage when you were a sinner is still there God's got to work with that huh he's got to deliver you out of fear huh You know, when you're young, oh, you can't get married now. You're too young. You're doing that. And then one day it flips. You're too old all of a sudden. You know? Or you look, look at them. I get all these. I don't know how I get on these lists. All these uh, apple cider vinegar diet and all these other little diet things. And then they show the normal body and then all the fat. I say, who been taking pictures of me behind my back? <laughs> you're getting the body shaming and all that kind of stuff you know it's always something that's going to make it not right for you the only thing that will make it right for you is god's got to put it in you huh i don't care if you think you want it see wanting it because all christians are supposed to is a scheme you got to get the plan from god to make sure it's right huh and once you get the plan from God, you accept God's plan. Say, God, this don't feel right, don't seem right, don't sound right. But if it's you, I know you'll help me accept it. That's how you work in the plan of God. And you scheme no more. Huh? Everybody's always trying to get out of something. Commitment is not what your flesh man wants to do at all. Your flesh man wants to go where he want to go, do what he want to do, for as long as he want to do it. Uh And that's it. (laughs) 
when we often believe the plan of God is so different from ours, this is the problem. You think it's, oh, oh, I can't, oh, that's so hard. I knew people that did everything God said, and they were strange. Got to wear funny clothes, can't put on makeup, you can't. And it's all based on superficial things. It's never based on, you know, we can be going up to people for prayer continually. Something's drawing you, but then you don't want their lifestyle. You don't like them all of a sudden. You can't live like that. Pastor Shirley, she, well, she do it because she, she got to do it because you don't got to do nothing because you're a pastor. We could be slipshod just like the rest of them, huh? Give you a false prophecy. Be in the bars on Saturday. Kicking it on Friday. Come right in here and prophesy. And make you pay for it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Sister Johnson. For that, I will be staying. So, Ms. Elsie, I'll come over later, all right? (laughs) But we're scared of God. And you can't fear him and trust him at the same time. You cannot distrust him and trust him at the same time. So God sets about helping you to understand that he is trustworthy. Huh? He doesn't have anything. He said, I know the thoughts I have towards you. He said, I'm thinking good. He said, I want to do you good in the end. Amen. You may have to endure some things that aren't pleasant for a season, but I'm going to do you good in the end. Amen. And so we have to take this risk, so to speak, to lay down the scheme and the plan of God so God can get something done down here. There's a bigger picture then your little red wagon that you like to pull, as my mother used to say, I never could figure out what that was about, but it's your little red wagon, you know. Right. Okay. Female tricks, male tricks, whatever. But but there's a bigger picture here. That we have to trust God that we fit in there somewhere. That from the foundation of the earth, he knew you were going to be born. He knew you were going to get here. He knew how you were going to get here. You're not a mistake. You were planned by God. If you have life now, you were planned by God. And you were called to be here at this time to serve him and understand purpose, meaning, significance, Now, you think you have it because you have some things. You understand what I'm saying? We're talking about something way beyond, something you can't see. And you've got to trust what you can't see is higher quality, higher grade, better, more meaningful. You've got to trust that that's all in there. You've got to trust that God is not diminishing you. He's increasing you. Even though it may look diminished for a season, he is actually increasing you. I used to 
enjoy hearing the testimonies people you know you go through these seasons i guess where you get and and i know they're god because they feed certain things on the inside of you but i would get curious about heaven and what heaven was like and you know you can read some things in the bible and then god would start to open up understanding through testimonies that people who had been there had seen and consistently they report that no matter how many souls a person has won how many people have been healed if they take a lot of material blessing in this life there's less up there Corrie ten boom you all over heard of her she wrote a she was a woman that was i forget what was she she was scandinavian danish or something like that and and she and her family were christians and they hid jews during the holocaust called the hiding place and she and her sister were thrown into a concentration camp her sister passed away there but she survived and she began to preach when she got her freedom and she would always preach on forgiveness and always preach on the purity of the love of god for humanity that will cause us to do things at risk and there was a man that went to heaven visited heaven and came back i think it was i don't know if it's raven hill or somebody like somebody who's passed on like in the 80s but was alive when i was and they said that she had the hugest mansion in heaven this lady lived very simply she you know she was a little gray-haired lady had a little bun in the back of her head she ministered if you talk to any minister that had a ministry during the 60s 70s and 80s she counseled them mentored them prayed for them prayed with them had some impact on them she saw everybody and she ministered to everybody she just gave and she lived very simply she could have lived ostentatiously but she didn't want the world's good she was too focused do you understand what i'm saying you gotta you gotta have god's eyes for this world you got to have god's heart and his eyes and his vision that's what the plan of god entails it entails putting those things in your heart that he wants to put there because he needs somebody down here who talks like him thinks like him has his heart will do what he wants him to do no matter what's in it for you and you know why because you know he'll do you good at the end he will do you good at the end amen and that should be good enough for everybody he'll take care of you how how many people in here are starving to death or close to it you've never starved or been close to it since you've been saved god always comes through for you whether you work whether you don't work whatever your circumstances you have a seat at the father's table so he's proven his faithfulness to care for his own and what are we going to do to prove our love to him we will get in line with the plan or we just gonna scheme all the time huh i mean it's something to, it's something to think about we need to answer these questions lack of knowledge and impatience and fear cause the schemes against god's will for us to continue you don't mean to be against god but you're just more for yourself 
I mean, that's the best way. Now, that's as delicate as I can. Was that nice? I hope that was nice. I don't care. (laughs) So the plan of God must address this fear first. He takes it. When Jesus would come up on people, and he knew they were scared to death of him. They were scared if he walked on water, if he walked on the ground. And he would appear to them and say, fear not, because he could feel their fear. Demons fear and triple, amen? So when God senses that, and he knows that that fear is there, and the first thing he does is offers peace to you. I come in peace. I'm not here to do you harm. I know the thoughts I have towards you. They're to do you good in the end. And so he comes and addresses that fear first. If we have no peace, we are more open to the devil's input and to keep the schemes going. So God must offer us peace with him first so that we can settle down and accept his friendship and accept relationship with him. The more you scheme, the more fear you have. The longer you go down that road, the more you fear God, the more you try to stay away from him until you hit a brick wall and you finally got to stop and ask him for help. That's usually what happens to us. Everybody knows that. We pray more when we need something than we do when we don't. But God, now listen to this, God gives you ministry to take care of the things that you need over and above your basic needs. Ministry takes care of that. If you don't believe me, look at all the rich ministers. Ministry takes care of that. So he expects us, expects us to have peace about basic provision every single day. All you have to do is get up and worship God and thank him for what he's brought into your life. God, I thank you for bringing the blessing into my life. You put him first above all things and don't slack off. The devil always come to you with schemes. Well, you know, uh, uh, God wants you, he don't want you to give more than everybody else in the church. Huh? If you're afraid of that, you know, afraid everybody's slacking off. I remember we were in a church, uh, we were just starting, and there was a couple that, you know, I kind of befriended, and and, uh, I think the pastor called a meeting for all the members, and, you know, I I don't care about membership. You either belong to God or you don't. Have anybody ever here ever been asked to be a member? No, you haven't, because we don't play them games. Huh? See, we don't come to, to find you when we see your name in the obituary. Well, he was on the road out here. Understand what I'm saying? I feel like you ought to know where you're supposed to be from week to week. Writing your name down is not going to make you be faithful to that. It's not going to get you any more from us because we're going to serve everybody the same way. You understand what I'm saying? But they call for members to stay afterwards for business. No, they call for tithers. And this woman quit tithing because she said, I saw all them people walk out of that church 
and I'm giving my 10%, I quit giving. See what I'm saying? You can hurt yourself trying to manipulate people. You know, they do money shaming in some churches. They put down how much everybody gives. and they, yep. You can hurt yourself trying to make God's people ashamed of something. Some people are doing their best. Huh? A lot of these, you know, Pentecostal churches, they give according to how they was blessed by what you preached. And we don't want to go there. Okay? Okay? Wasn't that a good sermon for all y'all? Come on now, let's. But this man of God didn't bless us today. <laughs> God wants us to have peace in all things. That is his, his biggest desire. Philippians four eleven says that Paul said, "I've learned." He said he talked about giving and receiving. And he said, not that I speak, he told people, he said, make sure that you prepare in advance, you know, what you're going to give to me so that I don't have to struggle with people and you don't have to feel the shame. But, but give them an opportunity to set aside something to give him. And he says, because I want to use this money to help the other churches and things of that. And he says, and not that I speak because I have lack myself. He said, because I've learned. This is something you must learn from God. You have to learn contentment no matter what state you're in. If you're not a contented person, all the money and all the things and all the people that are telling you you're wonderful, that will not phase you one bit. Amen? You have to learn an inner contentment. You first learn contentment with God and who he is and who you are to him. You're important to him. You don't need people telling you how important you are and how wonderful you are. And why ain't Pastor Bob don't never compliment nobody. Do something complimentary. And keep doing it. And do it as unto the Lord. You don't need me paying telling you anything. And me complimenting ain't going to make you do it more anyway. I done, I done tried that. Listen, I didn't get this age and be dumb, totally. <laughs> I got a few little things. I remember a few little stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Let's quit playing the games. What you do, you have to do before God. If you, I'm just trying to help you know what I know is pleasing to him. You got me? That's my job. But you got to please him. You have to look beyond the minister. You got to look beyond your husband, beyond your wife, beyond your boss, beyond all this kind of stuff. And find the plan of God for you and walk in it. Don't be afraid to ask God. God, is there something more? What am I here for? Is there, I have, I've done this thus far. Is there more? And he will give you more. I thank God for people who have four and five prayer partners and been praying with them for 20, 25 years and more in this ministry. I thank God for that. Because it keeps us from going down because of the few that won't do it. 
I'm just going to be honest. You keep the ship afloat. You keep us moving in God's purpose. I thank God for people who are tithers that are consistent tithers. When they're not here, their money shows up. You understand me? But we can do more. There's so much more to do in God. Don't stop. Don't rest. Don't stop. Keep going. No matter what your state, you can choose contentment. And you can let God teach you how to let your mind be at peace, let your soul be at rest, how not to have fear and not feel responsible for everything. You're not responsible for nothing. You couldn't bring nothing in here supernaturally if you tried. Huh? I don't care how big a witch you used to be or you think you are. Your bibbidi-bobbidi-boo ain't going to get no bills paid. There's some crazy woman. I just heard on the news this woman got sentenced to all in years uh, a fortune telling and then stole a million dollars from people. She a heavy hitter. You understand me? And it's probably not by no real power. She's just talking to people, convincing them. Weak-minded people, easily convinced. The reason our plan turns, our plan for our lives turns out to be a scheme is because of iniquity. We just can't trust God sometimes. Ooh, if I let God have this. The what he he said, I know the thoughts I have for you. Huh? I know you like purdy men. <laughs> huh? Oh, like purdy men. Oh, God, I would. He's saved and all, but he ain't purdy enough for money. Could you tune it up a little bit only? Huh? I know I don't go to the gym, but I like the muscles. Huh? You do that in your 20s. But in your 40s, it's a little tough. <laughs> it gets tough for everyone. Huh? Brothers, you know everything kind of, hmm? that's That's the marriage signal. You know they married, but... The ones in their forty, the singles in the gym. Uh huh. Oh, he goes straight home. I better not try to say nothing. Got me. Iniquity always spells failure. It might take a long time, but it'll spell failure for you. Because iniquity carries the curse. All natural plans will fail. Now be careful about holding on to things after you're saved. I've always wanted it. Who put that in there? Now, sometimes God does. But trust me, it's going to be carried out so different than you thought. <laughs> By the time that train pull into the station, it's going to be, you're going to be a whole different city. Look at Joseph. He saw all everybody. His daddy had already told him he was better than all his brothers. Huh? Gave him all these fancy coats and stuff to wear. And then he started having dreams. And 
The daddy got mad at him. He said, who do you think you are? I'm going to bow down to you? Huh? And so Joseph, receiving the plan of God, because the dream did come from God, but the dream is way off in the future. It's a snapshot of what's going to happen. He didn't look at the, you know how sometimes people can like try to Photoshop stuff, but you see something in the background, you know where they was. <laughs> he didn't look back in the back of that, that vision and see all that sand back there. Huh? Canaan didn't have no sand in it. They had green rolling hills. He said, probably should have said, I knew it was some sand in it. <laughs> yeah, because you're in Egypt, in the desert. Huh? You can't make it happen where you want it to happen. You can't make it happen like you want it to happen. I was very thankful when God called me to the ministry because I felt like I couldn't go back to what I used to do. I didn't seem to like it. I didn't seem to stay with it. I didn't seem to, you know, it wasn't satisfying. I knew nothing about the call of God. You know, you find these things out after you start learning about God. And I was very thankful I couldn't go back because that allowed me to trust going forward because there was no going back for me. You know, when the Red Sea closes up, it closes up. And you have no way back. You can try. Many people spend all their lives trying to get back. But um, I was thankful for that because that took a temptation out of my life. And so then I knew I would have to go forward in God. And in going forward in God, I learned to trust what was coming from time to time. So when I was called to the ministry, I thought, oh, wow, that's great. I, I got something to do for God. I won't have to just sit here and fake doing housework. Now listen. You got a vacuum cleaner, you got a dishwasher. How much time could that take? You know what I'm saying? And so it gave me purpose now, something to look forward to. And and I remember volunteering. This woman told me they they worked at a soup kitchen. I thought, oh, that's what I'll do. I was saying, I'll go to And on my way there, God derailed me. I stopped to to oh, I stopped to drop something off to somebody that I knew and uh, while I was there there were some people there I didn't know and we started sharing the things of God and one of them didn't know the Lord and every time we would talk about the Lord she would cry and I said well sweetie are you born again she said you know I went to a born again church but I didn't know what they were talking about so I explained the gospel to her and I got a chance to share Christ and God led me to ask her, is there something you know that's standing between you and God now that you need to confess and ask his forgiveness for? And, and since then, I've seen people, quote, unquote, lead people to the Lord without repentance. But see, I, because nobody had ever shown me how to do that, I was totally led by the Holy Spirit. So now I know to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask the questions and get the, and she just blurted out, she said, ma'am, she said, I know it's wrong. She said, but nobody ever told me that God would forgive me. Isn't that amazing? 
And I said, God, this is really nice. Never got to make the peanut butter sandwiches. Don't know what happened to the people there at the soup kitchen. But I knew that God had led me. Once I said yes to the plan of God, he led me to what he wanted me to do. And if the devil can keep you from experiencing that step out in faith and do what he says, he will keep that away from you forever. Because the first time you taste and see that the Lord is good, you don't have a taste for the things of the world anymore. You lose your taste for it. That's how people get, the uh, old time people would get drunks off of alcohol. They used to have a drug they could give them where it would make it not taste right to them. Once it's not good for you anymore, then you could say no to it. And so that's what happens when you know the plan of God. God begins to get you to do the basic things that he has called you to do and find contentment, joy, and delight in those things. I remember going to Bible study sometimes and women would get around and share their testimonies about. And then somebody would get in there and get angry and start bragging about, you know, they, and pretty soon you couldn't share your testimony anymore because it got to be a carnal thing. The devil's always there to steal the plan of God for you and the joy and contentment that comes with serving God. We have to keep iniquity out of things. Iniquity is just being concerned about yourself rather than trusting God. The devil will make you nervous about everything. Iniquity spells failure because it carries the curse. You need to know all your natural plans will fail at some point. Now let me tell you why some people don't know the difference. People assume they're in the will of God because they're blessed. We already explained that. He's your daddy. No more than you would, if you saw your kid hungry, I don't care how old they are. You invite them in and you feed them. You make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're fed, make sure they're clothed, housed, all that stuff. You're always concerned about their welfare. And you stand, if you're in a place to take care of it and help them, that's what you do as a faithful parent. But just because you have blessings does not mean you're in the will of God. Or that God is pleased with what you do. Because people in the world have money, clothes, food. Why? People in the world can get it. Saints can get it. God blesses principles. See, you can be a Christian... Work in principles and not be in the will of God and get, you can have more than people who are in the will of God and have to struggle through and get it by faith. Huh? That's why it's, you know what, a snare of the devil is to sit up and compare your possessions with what somebody else has. It'll, it's nothing but religion and it trips up many a saint. Many a saint. Because it means nothing. You can work principles and not have relationship. 
because if your heart is not toward god first and foremost and let everything else go god if it's got to go let's get rid of it but i don't want you to ever leave me i don't want to ever be in the place where i can't know that you're with me and know that what i'm asking for will come to me with you know and, and not respect what i'm doing is wrong you understand what i'm saying i want to be righteous i want to be just i want to be in that position all the time no matter what my trail of possessions looks like people with multi-million dollar ministries almost kill themselves paying bills you understand what I'm saying? Everybody's obligated for something that uh, when it comes to material things. You want the peace of mind of God. You know, every, every, uh, uh, I, I don't take on a lot of prayer partners because I can't. And see, when they don't want to, when they, the minute I tell them, I say, you miss one time, that's it. You don't miss times with me. I don't have time for that. It's not that I'm not, I'm so important, but I don't have time for it. You understand? If, if you're on the elementary level where you got to be reminded, you got to be coddled, and you got to be judged and all that kind of stuff to get up and pray, I don't have time for it. Let somebody else do that for you. Because that's not my job. I'm too busy trying to pull in the next thing that God has. I got to live in a sanctified place so I can hear the voice of God. You understand me? I can't be. Don't get people in your life that's just going to vex you. You understand me? Don't do that. We got a list of ministers we don't invite back because they don't know how to act when, when somebody's, you know, generous to them and hospitable to them. Bunch of swine. Yeah, I said it. So what? Jesus said, don't cast your pearls in front of them. We don't do that. I don't take your money and throw it to people that's just not going to appreciate it and then treat you bad. They don't come back no more. You got to come proper. Now, where was I? No, I don't want to talk about swine. We did that already, didn't we? Everything of the natural will fail, folks. God wants you off that. He doesn't want you on that. Just like your parents don't want you eating at all the neighbor's house all the time. Huh? They want you getting comfortable over there. (laughs) Natural plans, there will come a problem where you're going to run into problems with that if you rely on it too heavily. You got me? At some point, your finances will be challenged because all the believers go through it, you know, and you're going to have your turn too. At some point, your health will be challenged. Everybody goes through those things. Technology and lifestyle will challenge you. Amen. You'll be encouraged to, to get into a different lifestyle so that you can have more, spend more, do more, all that kind of stuff. And so these are challenges and the unforeseen obstacles that have to be overcome, and you cannot do it by natural means. So that's when you call Pastor Gigi and hint around and tell her you need something, or you hope she calls you so you don't have to make that phone call. Nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's so much better 
to live in the the stated plan of God and know the plan and fit perfectly into that plan and not shrink back. You know, don't bite off your seed because what will grow is something deformed. You're not going to enjoy it. You understand what I'm saying? That seed needs to be given wholly to God, planted in his kingdom so that he can nurture it and prosper you in it. The natural man will always come to the end of his ability. At that point, God's plan must take over. You can get everything, every material blessing you can have. God will bless you in the natural. And there will still be something lacking. You'll start looking for more. And if you keep down the natural road, you're going to wind up getting yourself overwhelmed. Either in debt, obligation, something is going to tip that over. And see, God has been patiently waiting for us to fall in the everlasting arms and allow him to help us to say, this is not what I have planned for you. I know the thoughts I don't tell me what you want me to plan for you. I know the thoughts I have towards you. If you ever got a glimpse of what I have towards you, then you would never lack for anything. You never want anything. You never go back to anything. He's given us so many glorious pictures of how much he loves us. For ever since I would say the year 2000, we've been ministering in our conferences on the bride of Christ. And I don't care if you've never been married and don't want to be married. You want to be. Amen. Huh? Because that will touch you that God loves you that much that he wants to come down and take you out of this wicked world. Amen. So you can be, but so many people are so grounded to this world that don't move them. Don't move them at all. Oh, yeah, I, I heard that prophecy. I heard that. Yeah, that music was pretty good. That should do something to you. Huh? That should do something to you. The fact that God will take you as you are and elevate you to the status. Why do you think people deep down really want to get married? If they could get past all of their nonsense. God put that in everybody. To belong exclusively to one person. Forever. Huh? With your natural spouse, it's until death. Amen? There's a reason for that. You get cut loose. You know, the survivor does. But... You know what I'm saying? You don't have to. You don't have to audition for snapped either. You know, you can. There come a time where that's terminated, but that marriage is meant for this life. But as good a marriage as you may have in this life, God has a perfect marriage for you. Amen. It's a perfect marriage. I got married because it seemed like the next thing to do. Huh? We're living together, working. I was almost out of nursing school. And it was just the next thing to do. You got me? 
It was a blessing for me to hear that there was somebody who loved me that I didn't have to perform for in spite of all my faults and flaws. When I didn't do right, they didn't hold it against me and wanted to be with me forever and treat me with dignity and respect and not be afraid to give to me because they wanted everything for themselves or more for themselves and all of that fear stuff we go to. It just seemed unbelievable. That's why many times spouses who don't know the Lord, when you fall in love with the Lord, they feel jealous and they feel cheated. And I had to live with that for many years because I was so in love with Jesus that it didn't matter to me about my life, my marriage, except that it mattered to him. You understand what I'm saying? And he had to teach me how to receive a good marriage in the natural for myself. Because when I found out that I was going to heaven and I could serve God and I could be a dignified woman and I wasn't a shacking up hoe, you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't doing that. When I found out that I was cleansed from that iniquity and that he had, and, and I knew that I was cleansed. I knew it wasn't a story and it wasn't a fairy tale. He made it real to me. I said, I'll go anywhere and do anything. I don't care. I found the love of my life now. I found the one for whom my soul longs. God. So when you find that, you want to serve. And see, most Christians don't live there, and I know they don't live there. I can declare it. I want to tell them about it. It would tell everything, but people start thinking you goofy. And there's a lot of people goofy out there talking bride stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, we in the bridal chamber. I said, you whore. You hooker. Get out of there. You don't know nothing about that. We're talking about holy things. That old lust spirit off of you in the presence of God. You understand what I'm saying? Marriage is honorable. The most honorable marriage bridegroom you can have is Christ. So his plan is going to elevate you. I don't care what you think you have now. You satisfied. You cool the way things are. I don't care what you think you have attained in this life. The knowledge of his love for you will elevate you to the place where you can care who don't like you, who don't love you, who don't speak to you, who treat you wrong, who hasn't treated you right, what they cheated you out of, and they don't respect your gift, and they don't honor you when you go into this place and that. It will elevate you to a place where you cannot be brought down from, and that's your contentment. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know you as your bride. How are you going to halt between two opinions? If I be God, then serve me. If you don't know if I'm God, then ask me to prove it to you. But I am God. Above me there is no other. And I have ordained for my people 
who love me and know me to be elevated beyond their wildest imagination that everything that they touch will prosper everything that they do is blessed as they trust me and give themselves wholly to me says the spirit of the living god amen just wants to encourage you and exhort you amen praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up praise god amen Oh, 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 oh,